Hey guys, and welcome to Goodversations, a collection of honest, deep dive conversations with young voices in the theater industry. I'm your host, Alexandra Piheko, and I'm joined today by Henry Gottfried. His theater credits include the national tours of Pippin and Bright Star, as well as the Broadway production of Waitress, where he was one of the original cast members. Henry also went to Yale University for theater studies and was a member of the Wiffenpoofs, which is the world's oldest and one of the best-known collegiate a cappella groups. As part of this experience, he traveled 35 countries and performed all across the globe. So you'll hear some funny stories from that year as well. I have to say, having spoken with Henry, he is someone who's very intelligent and so well-spoken. And so it was delightful to connect with him for this and to have the opportunity to ask him questions about his journey to Broadway. Be sure to follow Henry on Twitter at Henry B. Gottfried and subscribe to Goodversations for more episodes of this show. Here's my conversation with Henry Gottfried. You are originally from Tennessee, right? So yeah. what was it like growing up in Nashville? What was Henry like before all this? I was really lucky. I went to a school that I loved from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. And I loved every minute of it. I had good friends there and great teachers and a lot of great art. And I felt very at home and very safe there. So that was a huge piece of my childhood, the school that I went to, University School of Nashville. And Nashville itself was a really lovely place to grow up. It's become a bigger city in recent years, but it was kind of a smaller place when I was there. It was big enough that it had a good diversity of people and experiences and stuff to do and small enough that it felt comfortable and felt like you would run into people you knew and felt like a kind of a small community. Um, and I loved it. It's green and pretty and summers are really hot. I totally know it. I had a really, really lucky, wonderful childhood. I was interested in theater from a really early age. Like even as a little, little kid, my parents caught on pretty quickly that I wanted them to take me to the theater, see plays and musicals. What was the first show The first show I remember seeing was a play version of Beauty and the Beast, not the Disney version. That's lovely. And did you ever perform in school? You know, did that come naturally to you as well? I did perform in school. I never really performed outside of school. I did some summer camps for kids, that kind of thing. But I never did any community theater or any professional stuff. But as soon as I could, I was doing the plays in school. What was your favorite one? By the time I got to high school, we had this amazing theater teacher in high school. Her name is Catherine. She just passed away last year. She was an incredible influence on me. And she, she chose all kinds of very interesting and sometimes very adult plays and musicals for us to tackle as high schoolers. So those of us who really cared about it, we felt like we were rising to the occasion for a very important, very serious material. So it meant that we did the musical Company when I was in high school, which is not a musical really that kids should be performing. <laughs> and then we also had great, we had student-directed theater and stuff too, and I got to direct a play in high school. I had great opportunities at my school. As someone who doesn't perform, how do you even go and direct something in school? Like, how did that come about? 
There was a group in our high school called the Student Theater Guild. I don't know how I thought I knew how to do that, just from having watched my theater teacher in high school direct the play every year. Because I was going to theater from an early age, I had opinions from an early age of how I thought things should work, what things should look and sound like, when something was working or not working. So yeah, it's, it's a good point. I don't know where those that confidence came from at 17, 18 years old for directing something, but... But I think when we're younger, like, we have that reckless abandon, you know, it's like, you're fearless, you, you just do whatever yeah. you want to do, and you don't think, there's no consequences, really, like, you know? Yeah, I, mean? I agree. And then, obviously, you went to Yale University, so mm -hmm. tell me more about that. What did you study all that jazz? I loved my time at Yale. I was a theater studies major, that is, some acting and performing classes, but also a lot of history and literature and theory and the academic and cerebral sides of theater. Um, and I really liked that balance. So I got to act a lot and I got to do some performance training. I sang in acapella for all of college in two different um, groups. And I got to travel with those two groups all over the world and perform with them. Those were kind of the two main components of my college experience. I've literally written down the whiff and boobs, tell me everything. Yeah. So how does one, first of all, how does one get into acapella singing at college? And how did you join the whiffs? Well, at least in America, there's this funny culture of acapella singing that goes back about a hundred years, the Whiffin Poops being the first collegiate acapella group in the country. So I happen to be in two different groups, which were at the time all male and have both become all gender since then, which is awesome. I, I think my older brother, both older brothers actually had done acapella in college. And maybe that's why I always kind of knew about acapella and figured that when I got to college, I would do acapella singing too. So at Yale, there's, I want to say 15 to 20 different acapella groups. So there's a whole community around it and culture. And it became totally the kind of defining element of my college experience extracurricularly. A lot of those guys are still my closest friends. I'm still in touch with them and see them here in the city or, or travel to see them around the world. Yeah, that was a huge piece of my identity. The closest thing that I ever had or will ever have to being in a fraternity or sorority or being in a you know, club like yeah. that. Obviously, I've seen so many videos of you guys performing. They're just so much fun. Yikes, some of them are really bad. No, well, those videos. you know, they're funny. Let's call them funny. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, can you talk me through some of your best memories from that time? I'll always remember there was one day that we, gosh, I'm trying to think, we were on a kibbutz in Israel. We woke up and left the kibbutz, drove to the Israel-Jordan border, walked across the border because for some reason that's how you had to do it. You had to get out and walk like, right. you know, 100 yards or something and drove in Jordan to Petra, which is this amazing ancient site, so beautiful, had about four hours at a hotel in Amman, Jordan to kind of rest and shower and not get a full night's sleep and took like a middle of the night plane to Cairo and from the plane basically went straight to the pyramids and saw the pyramids that day. So in like 72 hours, we had seen like two of the wonders of the world and been in three different countries and places that I had never been to and may never go back to. We got to perform for foreign dignitaries and we got to stay in some amazing, 
incredibly lavish places and we also slummed it together in hostels and spent the night overnight in on the floor of the airport and so it was kind of the funniest kind of from the high high to the low lows of what that kind of travel is like that sounds incredibly <laughs> stressful but it also... was that yes <laughs> but also so much fun like what are some of your favorite places that you went to cape town south africa was amazing Melbourne, Australia was amazing. I had done a fair amount of travel before that point in my life. I was really lucky that I had traveled before, but I I don't know that I would have ended up in Madagascar, you know, if it weren't for that trip. I'm sure you have some funny stories as well. <laughs> the one that comes to mind is when like the border patrol authorities in New Zealand detained us for what was only like an hour or two, but felt like a long time because basically this is the end of our three month trip and we had been to 30 countries in the yeah. past you know 60 90 days or something um and different countries ask for different information on their customs like border patrol forms that you have to fill out and i think by that point in the trip we were all just kind of feeling lazy and we'd done this a million times before and none of it really seemed as serious as it had at the start and we we were making, I think we were, had flown from Australia to New Zealand, so it wasn't mm -hmm. probably a long trip, but it was early morning and we were all kind of groggy. And the, the form asked us, you know, please list the other countries you've been in in the last 15 days or 30 days. And we were all kind of laughing with each other, like, well, I can't possibly remember all of the countries. You know, we were asked, we were standing in line at customs and all kind of rubbing our eyes and looking around and saying, hey, Brandon, what did you put? You know, what did you put? I just put Australia because I figured that that's all they care about. Well, what did you put? No, Alex, I didn't know. I put up, but did you say China as well? Yeah, but it was only a layover. Like we weren't actually there for, you know, so we all yeah. had different answers. And once we got to the, the officers at the front of the line, they were like, none of your stories match up. He says that you were in China. He says you were in Israel. Were you also in, um, you know, the Netherlands or was that before? And Oh yeah, wait, I guess... July 15th, yeah, that would have been 30 days, you know, so just, uh, you know, it was like a comedy of errors, and we were kind of asking for it, and so they said, you're going to have to <laughs> come with us while we check out all of your paperwork and make sure you're, you know, I don't know, not smuggling drugs worldwide or something, it just was so fishy, our story. That was part, of, that really kind of sums up what the travel was like, because on the one hand, it was very glamorous sometimes, and on the other hand, it was totally scrappy, and we were just college kids, kind of clueless. Uh, hopping our way around the world without without really any in, in a lot of cases without really knowing what we were up to we were we weren't nobody was overseeing it you know? so let's take a step back so how does that work so who plans the journey who books in these opportunities for yeah you? the group it's this really interesting thing where it's a brand new group every year so there's 100 turnover it's just one year and that year auditions the next year's group and then the next year's group has one year to do the travel and singing and everything. And so there's very little kind of institutional memory and there's very little oversight. Like it's up to each group to, to plan their own performance schedule and make money however they can and plan their own travel. And it's 14 members in the group, one of whom is the music director, the, the conductor, and one of whom is the business manager. So the business manager with kind of delegation to the rest of the members of the group plans all that travel plans all the performance and everything budgets everything so it just you know it doesn't mean that that person can't be very qualified to do that job but at the end of the day that person is still a 21 year old like the rest of the people in the group 
So it's a, just a funny system. On the one hand, it, it's a very, it's this old, old, old group with a lot of name recognition and a lot of history. And at this point, a lot of connections with places and companies that have hired the group before and want to have the group back. But it's also kind of just a scrappy enterprise too. It's, yeah, it's it's a weird premise to me, but yeah. it's very interesting. But it yeah. is a weird premise. Yeah. I agree. Now that you lay it out, I'm like, how how the fuck did you guys even get to do yeah. all that? I but... don't know. I ask myself the same question. How the fuck did we do any of that? Incredible. Well, makes yeah. for good stories, right? And in yeah. New Zealand, of all places, like... Yeah. yeah. Oh, and the end of that story is that we... we there was some kind of like um, cops style TV show that was about border security in New Zealand. So we ended up on this TV show about like people who'd be detained at the New Zealand customs, like because they were smuggling illegal drugs or weapons in, or because they, you know, like uh, exciting kind of crime drama. And so we ended up, none of us were even really kind of aware. I think they asked if they could film us and we were like, I guess so. And they asked us to sing and we, some of us sang a little bit, but I have had friends in those years since, I guess be watching this TV show. I don't even know where it airs or what it's called and say, am I watching you on this TV show that's about New Zealand uh, border patrol? And I was like, yep, that, that would be me. Wait, so you were singing while detained, being filmed. Right, okay. Yeah. So how would you say this experience of being in the Whiff and Poofs and traveling the world like, how did that influence or perhaps change you as a person? A couple of different. I mean, in terms of what we saw, we we were young. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but I was 21 or 22. We were in a, some places, you know, sometimes we would have been, we were guests of the American embassy in that particular location, in which case there might be like a little bit of an outreach program that the embassy had planned which was amazing because it meant that we were seeing sometimes getting to see a very authentic side of that location and not just a tourist kind of perspective um so i, I think that made a big impression on me being somewhere like madagascar which um is an incredibly has an incredibly high poverty rate in terms of its population and and you know just even getting to witness what that kind of life looks like which is not something that we see really anywhere in the United States. I'd like to think that that made a, a, an impression on me in terms of just, just being a better global citizen, having a deeper awareness of the kind of range of lives on this planet. And then in the interpersonal in terms of within the group, it was also challenge, super challenging. And I, my group has admitted that to each other many times over and hopefully rewarding. And there's lessons that I took from that year with me in terms of how to, you know, it's like being 14 people as a very small group and having a year of really intense time together. We had some weeks off and we had time when we would go home and get to kind of decompress. But sometimes for weeks at a time, we were with each other and really only with each other, you know, in a foreign place where we didn't know anyone else. So it's an amazing way to become really close to people and also a very challenging way to tolerate people who you know might piss you off or get on your nerves or just you know there are plenty of people that I don't want two weeks of uninterrupted time with um and learning how to just be a good team player and be a patient person or a considerate teammate in that way I think that's what university teaches in general as well yeah it's just how to tolerate different people 
from yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I and it, I mean, I, that's the rest of our lives in the workplace or um, in your family. I mean, like the, your extended family. I mean, just what it is to just, you know, handle people that you might otherwise not want to be around, but you have to. And to do so, like, with patience and consideration for their feelings. And then you went back to u university, did you? That's right. So I that took a year off to do that experience and then went back for one more year before I graduated. So what's been the most memorable class that you've taken? I took a class that was called Composition for the Stage. And I've thought about this class a lot since I took it. Um, it was with a director named Robert Woodruff, and a theater director. And it was about creating live performance and the different tools that are at your disposal when you're, when you're um, putting something, a live event in front of an audience. And it was a little scatterbrained and also so interesting. And the idea of a certain theatrical gesture and the duration of that gesture or the effect, the volume of that gesture, um, what it means for something to happen very slowly, what it means for something to happen in real time versus imagined time, just what it is to um, make something, make something that's not on canvas and not on paper, make something that stands up in front of people, even if it has no words or no sound or anything, has stuck with me. That's cool. And did you, did you ever create your own stuff? I was in a poetry class and what well, was basically a solo playwriting class as well, but I also did some directing in college and that has been a piece of my artistic expression that I really love. Back to your directing roots from, from school. Yeah, from high school, exactly. Yeah, but, but what attracts you to directing now that you're older and that you're more experienced, I guess? I think part of it is the collaboration. I love the idea that the conversation that happens between the director kind of standing here with a whole team of other artists that network out from there and that's the writers of the playwright and the designers and the actors and the producers and the stage managers and it's sort of it's all about like getting many different moving parts together for one artistic expression seeing something and thinking in terms of how it was made like how how does that set work and how does it sound and you know how does this picture look that kind of thing and I imagine as an actor, that also influences the way you direct. Yeah, I think so. I do think so in terms of knowing something from the inside and also just knowing the actor experience. The actors are only one piece of, the, of a performance, but they're an important piece and tricky. And knowing how to understand or empathize with that position think is helpful hopefully and I know you do a bit of directing now as well so tell me more about that yeah I have been trying to figure out how to fold that back into my life I've been acting mostly over the past few years but um, I got to direct something with young performers last year and I'm figuring out I'm doing a little bit of um coaching right now with with young performers and a little bit of teaching which is not the same thing as directing but is a related kind of skill i may be assisting a director on a project this summer which i'm excited about i think ideally i want to figure out how working as an actor and working as a director can 
complement each other and kind of happen simultaneously or bounce back and forth. You mentioned teaching. So how did you get into teaching? And I imagine that's that's a whole different challenge. Just having um, the professional performing experiences I've had, there's a million outlets in different places and programs looking for people with the professional performance experience to share their experience or their wisdom or speak to what it means to work professionally. And so working for some of those companies, doing master classes, a lot of master classes specifically related to the show Waitress that I was a part of for a while, um, that led to other kinds of teaching and teaching artist experiences. I have so much respect for people who are teachers, and I'm not sure, I don't consider myself a teacher, but the just dabbling in the teaching just as a way of being able to pass on some knowledge that I have you mentioned that. So what does it mean to work professionally? Like, what would you say to a student when they ask you that? Hmm. What does it mean to work professionally? Yeah, because, you know, there's a lot of aspects. What I've realized, especially, is that, you know, there's a lot of aspects that I wouldn't think of because you only really see what's in front of you. And when you sit down, right. you, you don't know what's going on backstage. So what are some of that lessons that you hope to pass on to people? Yeah. One of the things that I think is really important is that there are a million ways to love theater and live performances, live performance, and a million ways to be involved. Um, and like you said, like there are some obvious ones that you see, like the performers, and there are dozens and dozens of other kinds of jobs, for lack of a better word, other kinds of positions for being involved in theater and, and being a part of the process of making theater. So I think a lot of people end up getting into performing because it's something that they were able to do in school. It was a way in their young life to be engaged with theater when there's not necessarily a props master when you're in middle school. Just encouraging people to think outside the box and think like, what are the pieces of working on this that I like and finding your niche. You know, just I think being a performer is wonderful, but I just think there are a lot of other amazing ways to be a part of the, you know, be a theater artist besides just performing. Did you always know you wanted to move to New York after, or what was the dream? I did, I always knew I wanted to move to New York. I always had New York in mind. I kind of dipped my toe in because university was not, Yale is just up the road, it's just a two hour train ride. So I came down, my brother was already living in New York by the time I was finishing up college and I would come down and visit him. Um, I had spent a couple of summers in New York City. So I definitely had New York City on the brain and moved here as soon as I had graduated. Was it Broadway that attracted you or was it the city? Both, yeah. I think for a long time those things were inseparable. I mean, um, there's no theater scene or theater community quite like New York's. It isn't better than anywhere else, but it's so particular. It's such a small world in a great way and such a concentration of amazing theater artists um, so I think that is a big piece of it. And, and it's still a big piece of my life is wanting to be somewhere where I can engage with and see a lot of great theater on Broadway and off Broadway. Um, like the thought of living somewhere else where I would miss the opportunity to get to see the theater that's happening in New York is, is hard to picture. Awesome. What's been the kind of, I guess, the most memorable show that you've seen lately that's made you think and that you're still thinking about? The answer I've been giving the past few months is uh, a play called What the Constitution Means to Me, which I saw off-Broadway in 
December. It's had a few runs and it's now running on Broadway. It's this amazing playwright and, and performer named Heidi Schreck. It's this really interesting piece that is sort of um, genre-defying. It's hard to pin down what it is and how it works. It's sort of a solo play. It's sort of a memoir piece. It's also sort of a um, an academic lecture. And some of it is also an extemporaneous meditation on these topics. And there's also a debate component. And it. Uh, I just loved the surprising way it operated. And it's so, it's a really important, for lack of a better word, conversation about American politics. And... It was so cool. It was so exciting. It was so immediate. It really was about having a conversation, beginning a dialogue, changing people's perceptions about uh, certain elements of American history or of how the American government system works. And, uh, and it was enjoyable. This performer is so interesting and, and engaging. So that's good for you. So, okay, so you moved to New York. Did you ever have one of those survival jobs, you know, while you were auditioning? Talk to me about that. Yes. In fact, yes. I Well, I worked as a waiter as soon as I got to the city. I, I jumped right into a restaurant job and did that for a few months. Um, it was really hard. It was really intense. The hours were long. Um, the restaurant was very serious and very fussy. So the service was very particular. Um, and it was so hard. And... I think it's extremely important to work a service industry job at some point in your life because it's, um, I think you'll never look at other people in service industry positions again. You'll hopefully have a lot more patience and compassion for waiters and cash cashiers and, I mean, barista, any kind of job that has to do with in, interacting with a bunch of strangers all day, every day, even like telephone solicitors, just because... It's hard work, and people are so unnecessarily rude over and over again. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I did that for a while, and then luckily I got I, I got work pretty quickly. I got a big job, and so I was able to quit that restaurant job. But yeah. how was it then, getting your first role? I got really lucky. My first job kind of fell out of the sky for me. My second job came about right after that. So, I mean, my first, first job was an unpaid thing. It was, that felt like this is, you know, it really felt like what it was to take your first steps as an actor. It was an unpaid job, but it was a new musical. It was written by young people, directed by young people, and a cast full of people my age. And, you know, we were part of something new, just all of us trying to get our start. Um, so I don't really think of that as my first job. I think of that as like the first kind of pre-job it was like experience you know, first experience yeah but my first job was with peter pan live and it was like i felt like i was somewhere way above my pay grade i was so lucky to get that job because it was with a lot of people with a lot of broadway experience it was a very kind of broadway sparkly kind of pool of talent and i was getting to kind of watch and learn from the best of the best so that was just lucky. I mean, there's no other way to say that. And, and, and a few people kind of taking a nice chance on me or giving me a, a, a shot. So um, talk to me more about that. So what was the job? What were you doing? All that. 
Yeah, I was swinging for, it was the live broadcast of Peter Pan. It was the second live musical that NBC had done. They've done a few now, and Fox and other networks have done a couple of their own. So it was a lot of Broadway talent, but it was happening through a TV network and kind of on a TV framework. So it, it worked kind of like a Broadway show would work, but it also kind of worked like working on a TV show would work. I was hired to be the understudy, basically, for all the Lost Boys. So I was a swing. I covered the 10 different Lost Boys, and I also covered other members of the ensemble. I just basically watched and took crazy notes and took videos and got up on my feet and learned so much dancing and just was like in boot camp, like and in a very, very kind of high level professional setting for a few months. Um, and then you only, you just do it for one night. That's the yeah, crazy exactly. part. Yeah. So it was about having everything ready just in case on that one day something came up. Did it? Well, no, but funnily enough, um, one of the guys in the show who's a buddy of mine now and and then he uh twisted his ankle like the week leading up to the show so i did a whole kind of week in the show at, you know we were doing dress rehearsals and run-throughs um but i knew that i, I knew he was going to be okay to do the show in the end but so i kind of got it was perfect i kind of got the chance to be in the show even though i wasn't in the tv broadcast i kind of got the chance to use all of my work and let it feel like it paid off and get to show everyone that i had you know, like taking it seriously, done my job. I do want to talk to you about Waitress for a little bit. Mm -hmm. So obviously you were a swing on that production. So, and you came back a couple of times, right? Yeah. One yeah. big time and one that was just a one yeah. day kind of bonus. So what was it like being a swing on a televised production such as Peter Pan Live versus being a swing on Broadway? Yeah. I mean, in many ways, it's a very similar experience. The, the part about it, that's the doing the show part. I, I mean, it was so special and wonderful. Everything about my waitress experience was wonderful. And I love every memory I have from that year and a half that I did the show at first. To be a part of a show on Broadway and a new show, and a new show that there was a lot of excitement about, and a show that a lot of people fell in love with, just felt so lucky. And to know that I, you know, I had that job as long as I wanted to do it, um, that's a very rare experience, even on Broadway. Plenty of shows open and don't, last very long so I just like I just felt kind of on cloud nine for the whole year and a half that I did that show of getting to go to that theater and getting to be a part of that show and getting to hang out with those people that I loved so much so how much notice do you guys usually get that you'll have to be on that night like how does that work yeah it was different every time as a swing sometimes you know weeks in advance like so-and-so is going to be on vacation that week. We're going to have you do all of the shows that week in that part. Sometimes a day in advance, sometimes that morning, you'll get the call like so-and-so is sick tonight. You're going to be doing the part. But there were plenty of times when right before the show, someone would get sick or, or someone was supposed to come to work and couldn't come for some reason, or there was a snafu. And it never happened to me in Waitress, I don't think, but in Pippin, which I also was a swing for when I was on tour, um, at least one show that I went on halfway through, somebody got injured in the middle of the show and I threw a costume on and ran out on stage. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so you know, yeah, I mean, there's like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. And the job of the swing is so hard and I want to say thankless, although if people hopefully are clued in, they're aware yeah. and you are getting like a, li a little bit of credit, at least for the hard work you're doing, but it's just about knowing everything and just being ready and not, not, um, getting too wrapped up in the nerves of it to change gears at a moment's notice. And how do you prepare for a show before a show? As a swing? As a swing, yes. 
Like, do you, do you have a rehearsal? You don't, right? You just yeah. Uh, you it through. depends. If you're as as a part of a new production like Waitress, you don't really get any rehearsal of your own until after the show is open. So that right. and that means after previews are over and everything. So that was like a couple of months into the run of the show, basically. Um, it means just like learning by watching and doing it on your own. So it's a lot of work on your own, asking a lot of questions like, you know, maybe that no one's going to tell you that they're actually having her jump, him jump to the high harmony for that one line. So it's listening carefully and going over and asking people questions. Hey, Ryan, are you on the top harmony line there? Because I thought you were assigned to the middle line. He goes, oh, yeah, I am on the middle line, but just for that one phrase, yeah. I'm singing the top line. So it's just... Uh, you know, thankfully in this day and age, you can, everyone has a phone, so it's like taking a ton of videos of rehearsal, um, taking notes. There's a million different systems. Every person who's ever swung has a different way that they, you know, like keep records of all that information. Um, but yes, yeah, just a lot of work on your own. And everyone is just kind of hoping that you are on top of it yeah. because there's a lot of other stuff to worry about. And there's not really any time to give the swings individual attention. Um, it's different coming in and replacing. When I went to Pippin, I was replacing somebody who was leaving that show. So I had a lot of rehearsal on my own with the dance captain and the, and the music director and the stage manager to be taught my different tracks independently. But that's its own challenging thing because you're learning kind of in isolation and then you have to be ready to integrate the track you learned by yourself yeah. with the rest of the show and you hadn't had any other people there the whole time you learned it. That sounds, again, stressful, but exciting. Yeah. So what are some of the rewards that you got from that? Like what's the mo re most rewarding thing about being on Broadway? Part of the reward of it is the community, both the community in your own show and the wider Broadway community. I mean, all of the Broadway theaters are in like basically a 15 block span in New York City. So it's really like a neighborhood and you walk to your theater and you get lunch in between shows or whatever and you run into people you know. And that pool of talent is large, but super interconnected. Everyone um, has kind of one or two degrees of separation from any other performer in New York City because there's a constant kind of reshuffling of people being in different groups and then working together at this theater and then this company out of town and then on this tour and then on this show. And so it's like a really kind of fun, it's like being in university in a way of feeling a part of a community and running into people you know and meeting friends of friends. And and there's a wonderful, um, uh, there's also like a wonderful, uh, a, a million wonderful traditions associated with the Broadway community um, fun competition that happens between shows, fundraising and events that happen that incorporate all of the different Broadway shows. So part of this like wonderful privilege of getting to perform in a Broadway show is getting to be a part of that. And what do you find to be the most challenging? A lot of Broadway shows are really taxing on your body, physically hard to do, hard to sing, hard to do eight times a week. That was not true for Waitress, which is a pretty gentle show for most of the people in the show, except for the, the character of Jenna. Um, but even so, even though it didn't take a horrible toll on our bodies and voices, the schedule is um, hard just because it's sort of unrelenting. I've always said, like, you kind of, your whole life belongs to the show as long as you're doing it, because even if, you know, maybe on a Tuesday, you only had to go to work between 6 and 10 p.m. On a Thursday, you had to be at work from noon to 5 for rehearsal and then the show from 6 to 10. And the hard part is you just don't, it doesn't let up. 
other people get weekends on a Broadway schedule, you get one day off. Other people can take vacation days wherever they want to. On a Broadway show, you can take one week of vacation every six months, and it's subject to approval. So you miss a lot in the rest of your life. And it's a beautiful trade-off because there's so much that's so wonderful and so fun about getting to perform. Um, but it does mean, like, your friend's birthday party and your aunt's wedding and your and your buddy who came into town who invited you to that movie, you just miss a lot. You can't just not go to work or, you know... So it's hard. You really turn your whole life over to the show as long as you're doing it. How do you keep sane in all of this? Like, how do you take care of yourself mentally? I think you really rely on the people that you share it with. I mean, like any experience, the people who are in the same boat with you are the people who get it. So hopefully you love your cast or love some people in your cast and you can share that excitement and that gratitude and that responsibility and the burden with them um and because a lot of your social life kind of has to you miss out on everyone's going to go get dinner on thursday and you can't be there because you have to be at the show then hopefully at least some of that is made up for in the social life that you get out of the company you're in in that show which can be amazing i mean if you if your company clicks and you get along with people it's such an incredible kind of family if you could go back and give your teenage self one piece of advice before any of this, what would you say? Oof. You know what I would say today, which is surprising to me that this is where my mind went. I would say, um, like, work hard on it. Focus on it. Like, to do, put in the work, put in the practice. Um which I think I did, I think I thought I was doing, but I would encourage myself even to go harder, like train harder even, um, because it is all setting you up for having tools to draw from. Like the more vocal training you have, the more sh sure you can be of like, I know how to do this, I, I've done a lot of this, I know what how to make that happen or what tools to pull from to do that. So. I'm a firm believer in like kind of taking your time and watching things. And I, I, I learned by doing and learn by watching. Um, but I guess I would tell my younger self, like you're doing everything right and just go even fuller into it. Keep pushing at it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's brilliant advice. And you know, I'm sure a lot of people would take that and run with it. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Yeah, it was so nice to meet you. you. Thank you for reaching out. This was so fun. If you enjoyed this episode, then please consider giving us a rate and review. This would help me tremendously in reaching more theater fans and also getting more guests on this show. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. You know, I'm always just one message away on Instagram and you can find me at Goodversations. So let's get to know each other. My hope is to create content that you guys would like to hear. So drop me a line and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you again so much for listening and I'll talk to you again next Monday.